Welcome back to Self-Made Marketer, the podcast for marketers and aspiring marketers who are bootstrapping their way to success. This is episode three, and we are talking about discovery calls for introverts and awkward people, aka me. So as an introvert and a awkward person, discovery calls were one of the scariest parts of being a freelancer for me when I was first starting out as a copywriter, and they continued to be painful. I'll I'll admit they continued to be painful even once I had some experience. It wasn't until I learned a few tricks that they became really easy and I actually started to look forward to them because I was able to use them for their intended function, which is to figure out if you and the client are a good fit for each other and to make sure that everything is driving energetically, vibe-wise, as well as how you can actually help them with your services. So if you are someone who feels scared, nervous, like you're going to throw up before a discovery call, or maybe you haven't done any discovery calls yet and the idea of it is kind of freaking you out, this episode is for you. Now, I know how it feels when you see that first discovery call request come in, whether it's an email or you're using Calendly or something, and you see that notification and it's like you're like suddenly high on life because you're like, oh my gosh, someone wants to work with me. Um, But I've had that happen so many times where I get so excited, but then I also get super nervous uh, because I, you know, didn't like talking to people. Now I do, but for a long time I didn't, Um, especially if you're using something like Zoom and you're not used to using a camera, being face-to-face with people virtually in that way, it can definitely be very intimidating. Um, And I actually do recommend using Zoom and I'll explain why later on. But my point is you get that high and then it usually turns into nervousness. So my first tip for you, if you are someone who gets nervous about these calls or any client calls, is to remember that nervous and excited are actually the same thing to your nervous system. So instead of saying, I'm so nervous about this discovery call, say, I'm so excited about this discovery call. And for me, I don't know, it's like does something physically, I feel that like ball of stress, like in my solar plexus, it just kind of dissolves. And I allow myself to just honestly be excited about what is coming up with this discovery call. Now, one mistake that I made um, when I was first doing these calls is not getting any information up front or not getting enough information or the right information. I think in the beginning, I was just getting their name, their email, maybe their website for their business, but I wasn't asking anything else. So nowadays, when I am getting ready for a discovery call with a client, I'm usually asking them what specific services they're interested in. I'm asking them um, how they heard about me, what challenges they might be facing. Um, So I tried to get just a little bit more detailed with this. And if you're using a tool like Calendly, which is a great tool for booking discovery calls, they make it really easy to do this. You can ask some information. Um, You can also do this via email. Um, That's actually what I do these days. I get a request and it does have more than just like their name and their email. But usually when I see that roll in, I email the person and I say, hey, looking forward to chatting with you. And once I've looked at their website, I'll usually have, or their social media, um, I'll usually have like another question for them or two. So I usually just try to get a little bit more information up front. 
So the questions are going to differ depending on the services that you offer. So just spend a little bit of time thinking about what information it would be helpful for you to have up front or maybe ask some other people who are experts in your industry doing what you do, what information they like to get before their discovery calls. So without this information, you're basically going in blind. And without this information, it's really hard to do the next thing that I insist upon. I don't just recommend it. I insist upon it, which is own the call. So this idea of owning the call, it was introduced to me when I worked at a marketing agency. And it basically means that you are taking responsibility of the experience that you are creating from the time that the call is booked up until you send a call follow-up email, which is something we're going to touch on. And you are um, owning the conversation. So you're leading the conversation. You're not getting on the call and just awkwardly sitting there or expecting the other person to lead the conversation. That's why having that information up front is so helpful. It gives you something, it gives you a starting point, right? So when you get on the call, you're probably gonna have a list of notes. I recommend having a document or something open for note-taking um, or recording the call. Um, actually, that's what I do these days. I record my discovery calls and transcribe them. That way it automatically turns into notes. However, I do sometimes have notes as well where I'm just jotting down a few key things. Um, but anyway, that's a little bit of a digression there. But you do want to own the call. Make sure that you are the one asking the questions, guiding the conversation. This also prevents the call from turning into a job interview, which is something that can happen pretty easily where they want to know about your experience, all that. Um, and I actually have a solution for avoiding that completely, which is to have a solid pitch. So a well-crafted pitch really makes it easy for you to take ownership of your calls because it is addressing your client concerns. You're, you're basically like trying to predict. You're trying to be one step ahead of them and answer that question of like, tell me how you can help me. Tell me why you're the best person for the job. Your pitch should solve that problem. So when when you hear pitch, it doesn't just mean like a sales pitch. It's also like an introduction of who you are and what you do. So it has a couple components to it. Um, there's like the elevator pitch approach, which I do recommend having a short, simple explanation of who you are what you and what you do, which is your elevator pitch. And what I actually like to do, though, is take that one step further and put it in my pitch deck. So this has been, the pitch deck has been the biggest game changer for me as an introvert and an awkward person because it is something that I, you know, I get on the call and I let the client know, look, we're going to review my deck. And when you're done, I'd be happy, or when we're done, I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. So when I open up my pitch deck, one of the first things that they see is my pitch. Basically, it's like who I am, my credentials, you know, how long I've been doing, what, I, what I've been doing, all that good stuff. So even if this information is somewhere else, like your LinkedIn or your website, I do still like to reiterate that here. That way, and also when you're presenting your deck, it's like filling the screen. They're like, great, there's the information that I needed. So within the first three minutes of the call, I've introduced myself. I've shared some of my experience. I've outlined the structure of the call. Like, hey, look, we're going to review this deck. And then we'll answer your questions at the end. And so that really squashes any interruptions or objections. And from there, as I'm going through the deck, you know, it's also got my services in there. That gives me a chance to touch a little bit more on how those services can help solve their problems, right? Because I've gathered some information from them up front. 
let's say I know they're interested in one of my social media management packages, I can elaborate more specifically about where I see this specific service helping their business. So I've said, you know, I'm going to present my pitch deck. This does mean that I'm getting onto Google Meet usually is what I use for my um, video chat, video conversations with my clients. Some people use Zoom. Whatever it is, I actually do recommend doing a video call if you're not meeting face-to-face. If you're meeting face-to-face, you can present your pitch deck in person. Great. But if you're meeting virtually, I don't recommend just a phone call or just a voice call. I do let the client know before the call, hey, I'm going to be presenting my deck on the call and I'll have my camera on. But if you don't want to have your camera on, no problem. However, a lot of people who work in marketing, usually I'm talking to marketing managers, they want to have their camera on. We want to see each other face to face. And that is a huge, that was a huge game changer for me too, because I actually was more nervous when I couldn't see the person and read their facial expressions. And I still do get a little nervous if someone opts to not have a camera on and I'm meeting them for the first time. It's just so much more helpful. We say so much with our body language. That's one of the reasons that I wanted to put this podcast on YouTube for people who like to consume content that way, like waving my hands around. That's body language, right? That's another way of communication. And I think it's just so, so powerful and so important, especially if you are introverted and awkward. It actually made it so much easier for me. Like I remember some of my first discovery calls on an actual call. And it was also awkward because I was like, ooh, I need to put this on speakerphone so I can take notes, right? Because I have to like type or something um, or write things down. And my office at the time, this room that I'm in, had like no furniture in it. And so everything was echoing. And I remember like going on the, going on speakerphone and the guy was like, oh, uh, you're echoing really badly. And I just like ignored him. I just, I was so nervous. I think you might have just heard my stomach growl, by the way. It's my lunchtime. But um, we're going to finish this up. We're going to wrap this up and I'm going to go have a delicious lunch. Okay, so my point is that being, you know, face to face with someone, I actually found that so much better, so much more. It was I think it's better for them and it's better for me. And I'll say also that if you want high paying clients, that's the norm. If you are, you know, doing the digital nomad thing, you want to work virtually. It is absolutely expected, like when I worked at an agency and when I've worked with, um, you know, my you know, brands that I work with, their marketing manager is there with their video camera on, anyone else on the team. It's the norm. And it's the norm because you're in a virtual meeting. You're not in a virtual voice call. So it's less nerve wracking. It's better communication. And your pitch, because you can present your pitch deck that way it's going to be way more impactful. You know, you're filling their screen. You're ultimately creating an experience for this potential client. So you're filling their their screen and you are owning the experience. You're really creating this whole sensory experience with sound, with visuals. And um, the plus side is that, you know, you are filling your screen. So you're going to be like this tiny circle in the corner of their screen or maybe even not visible at all. So if you are nervous about that idea, just know that you're only going to be filling their screen with your face for a short period of time. Most of the time, you're going to be walking them through a pitch deck, which I highly recommend having. Um, The pitch deck also just makes it so easy to guide the conversation. If questions do come up, it helps you stay on track. Um, Yeah, I just I can't I can't recommend it enough. And I actually do have a pitch deck template 
Um, I'll drop that in the description below. That is something that you can grab if you just want a super quick way to get your pitch deck in order. Like I said, it starts with um, kind of my credentials. Uh, and this is a template, so you don't get all my information, but you do get a template for it with information about what you should be inputting into it. This is a Canva template. I think it's like $19. Um, I might raise the price someday, but right now I'm keeping it super cheap because it is so, so powerful. Okay, so once you have gone through your call, you've pitched, you've presented your pitch deck, you have built some rapport with the client, once that call is over, your work is not done. And that's one important lesson that I learned is you don't just hang up a call and be like, great, the meeting's over. They're going to reach out to me if they want help. No, 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 no. You send a follow-up email. And the follow-up email is an art in and of itself because you want to keep the door open. You want to put the ball in their court, I should say. You're putting, you're making it very clear that the ball is in their court. You are summarizing what you talked about on the call and you're sending over, because you've shared your, your services, you're sending over a recommendation based on your conversation of what you want to or what you recommend for their situation. Usually when I do this, I give a couple options. So it's kind of like a good, better, best scenario, like what would be good for their strategy, what would help them reach their goals um, at a certain pace, what would help them reach their goals faster. And I usually um, offer a couple options. That's why I actually have tiered services for my social media management packages. So depending on their budget, I can recommend one of them or I can create something custom. But the the um, pre-created services gives me a starting point. So when I am sending that recommendation, I also include the pitch deck um, so that they can reference that. So I can say, you know, I recommend this package or this package. And I share just a few points from our conversation, the packages we discussed. And if they don't reply, usually within a few days, I'll follow up again and say, hey, just checking in on this. And I usually follow up no more than one or two more times. I will say I don't consider it a dead lead if they don't get back to me or if they say not at this time. What I'll usually do then is follow up with them after a longer period of time. Just, hey, just checking in. I do like if I have availability, I have availability. I'm just giving them like status updates on that. I think I'm going to do another episode about nurturing your leads. So yeah, um, the follow-up is kind of an art in and of itself, like I said. So make sure that you don't skip it and don't feel weird about following up a couple of times. My last thing that I want to just kind of give you a little bit of homework on is to look up Vanessa Van Edwards. So she is a I think like human behavioral scientist or something specialist. I don't know her official title, but she is amazing. She's given me so much confidence as an introvert to put myself out there to be on this camera right now. I'm on camera right now if you're listening to the podcast. Um, I also put this on YouTube. You can go and subscribe there. But anyway, um, Vanessa Van Edwards, I have just watched some of her free content and she talks about like the importance of body language, what you're saying with different body language, do's and don'ts, but also like what to do instead. Like I used to like sit on my hands a lot or keep my hands tucked into my lap. And, you know, that's a lot of very like closed off body language. When I'm talking to clients now, I let my hand movements go loose, um, which I do in real life. That's like part of my personality. I grew up with a mother who was very hard of hearing. And so hand gestures were a big part of what we did. We kind of had our own sign language. 
And it's something that I still do today. So talk with your hands, allow your body language to be as natural as possible. Um, look at Vanessa Van Edwards, learn all that you can from her. She actually has a, I know she has some content on pitching and how to present yourself. So yeah, go and look at Vanessa Van Ed Edwards if you're really struggling as an introvert or an awkward person or both. <laughs> so I really hope that if you are, you know, if you're thinking about freelancing or you are freelancing and your discovery calls are holding you back, I hope this helps and I hope it gives you some encouragement. I had many not great discovery calls before I kind of cracked the code, figured out all these little tricks with body language, my pitch deck, getting information up front. All of this really went a long way in boosting my confidence. And I truly look forward to my discovery calls now. When I see a discovery call with a client, it's almost like a chance to like kind of show off and <laughs> show off just in a professional way, which kind of is, you know, it is a sales call in a way. So I feel like that's kind of how it should be, you know, getting excited to make a connection and learn if you are the right person to help them with their problems, which is really the point of the discovery call. Like I said at the beginning, there's not this ton of pressure to close a sale because you want to make sure that you're working with someone who aligns with your values, make sure their business aligns with yours, all that good stuff. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will catch you in the next episode. Make sure that you follow, subscribe to the show if this is resonating with you. And if you're liking the content so far, I know that we're only a few episodes in, but if you are liking it, please do rate and review the show. As people always say, it really helps people discover the podcast, but especially as a brand new podcast, those ratings and reviews go a long way. All right, guys, till next time.